0: The words seemed to drift to Rand through wool stuffed in his ears. No way out. Thunder muttered overhead and was drowned in a slash of lightning. Have to find a way out. Goad called to them, demanding, appealing. The door slid another inch toward being open. A way out! Light filled the room, flooding vision. The air roared and burned. Rand felt himself picked up and dashed against the wall. He slid down in a heap, ears ringing and every hair on his body trying to stand on end. Dazed, he staggered to his feet. His knees wobbled, and he put a hand against the wall to steady himself. He looked around in amazement.
1: Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and someone who's never read the series before read through each of the 14 books in this very long series. A warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World, please proceed with caution.
0: On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 32 through 35 of The Eye of the World. I have not read past chapter 35, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of The Eye of the World or the other 13 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 35, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them.
1: All right. Last time was kind of a mess. We had Rand, Matt, Perrin, Nynaeve all giving chapters. This time's a little bit more simple, just Rand and Matt. We pick up with them in The Four Kings, where every inn, except for the Dancing Cartman, already has an entertainer. The innkeeper, Samuel Hake reluctantly lets them play in exchange for room and food. Rand and Matt are both convinced that Samuel's going to rob them. While they're playing in the common room of the Dancing Cartman, They recognize a man who is wearing weird velvet clothes. They get confirmation that he's been hiding around from inn to inn, never staying in one place for long. They eventually recognize this man as Howl Goad, a merchant from Whitebridge who's apparently been following them. When the common room empties, Rand and Matt are led to the room where they're going to be staying for the night. Fearing that they're going to get robbed, they bar the door, but Howl Good starts to break the door down. Eventually, they are kind of miraculously saved as lightning hits the room and they have a way out. They then quickly leave the Four Kings with Rand and Matt hitching rides and wagons wherever they are able to. They're both recovering from the aftermath of this lightning strike. Matt has been blinded and Rand has seemingly fallen ill from the rain. While staying in one inn, though, they are confronted by Piter, the least capable dark friend ever. Further along the Camelin Road, Rand and Matt overhear a conversation between an innkeeper and what they guess is a Fade, who claims that Rand has stolen a Heronmark sword. Kind of a way to identify Rand. They catch one last ride to Camelin from a man named Almond Blunt, who gives them a little bit of an explanation about what's happening in the royal court. Once in Cameland they witness a small riot. Matt kind of freaks out about the size of the city. And they eventually head to the inn that Tom told them about back in Whitebridge, the Queen's Blessing. There they meet Basil Gill, the innkeeper, who gives them a little bit more information about Tom's history as court bard for Queen Morghese. So, unlike last episode, a lot of stuff happens in this episode very quickly.
0: Yeah, the kind of the entire plot happens in the first chapter.
1: Because, yeah, it's kind of like four kings and then travel hitchhiking. Mind.
0: Yeah, they have a very eventful stay in the four kings, which was kind of alluded to being not great in the yeah. previous chapter. because they,
1: they came to the four kings.
0: And everything went to shit. Um, they, everything did go to shit. Everything went to shit um because they deal with the aftermath of what happened in the four kings the entire time and not just matt's blindness and rand's sickness and whatnot now people are looking for him yeah people are looking for them and it's not a good time because he's got this heron blade
1: which is very identifiable. identifiable
0: yeah and so this kind of follows them into Camelon and I feel like they're going to be dealing with the aftermath of what happened in Four Kings for a very long time.
1: Maybe. They are in a city now and so it's a lot easier to like hide when there are thousands of people as opposed to maybe hundreds. Well not with Matt
0: freaking out the way he is. Not with Matt freaking out. Poor Matt.
1: Poor Matt. Matt's having a real hard time.
0: Oh I just felt so, I just want to wrap him up in a blanket and That's give him a hug.
1: kind of weird because most people that I have seen react to this part of the book just hate Matt so much.
0: No, poor boy is having like panic attacks and he's clearly affected by this dagger and I just want to take the dagger away from him and I want to wrap him up in a little blanket and I want to give him a hug and like you're like, shh, it's okay.
1: Clearly, neither of them are prepared for the size of a real city.
0: No. And, well, and it's not just the city that has me feeling for Matt. Because he's like, the entire time he's blind, he's just so vulnerable. And he says to Rand several times, like, you're not going to leave me, right? And yeah. it just, it's so sad. And he's homesick. And he was the one who wanted to leave the two rivers the most. He was so excited for an adventure. And even when he got this stupid dagger, he was like, wanting to look for gold. And now he just wants his mom. I think he literally says at one point, he's like, I just (laughs) want my mother. And I'm just like, baby, no.
1: Yeah, he's having a real hard time. He also seems the most like himself in this part. And I, I think, and this is purely a thought I have, is that... Whatever he's doing, especially he especially seems the most like himself when he is trying to help Rand. So when when they get hit by lightning or when the room gets hit by lightning, Matt gets blinded, but is otherwise entirely fine. But Rand starts to fall sick because they spend a lot of time just traveling in the rain.
0: But he it takes him a long time to get sick, so he gets sick, but then he gets a little bit better, and then all of a sudden it's like a switch flipped and he was just like just
1: in, just, down for yeah. the
0: count like completely completely ill yeah and and i, I think, have i have thoughts <laughs> but we will get to
1: those i think that matt having to take care of rand and kind of be selfless somehow this, this again this is purely my thought is somehow counteracting the daggers effects
0: i think also the him being blind can't like,
1: see anything to be greedy <laughs>
0: That I get, I think is part of it. I think like he's already been made vulnerable by the fact that he can't see, and it's, we don't really see Rand get super sick until later, and that's when Rand, that's when Matt has to be selfless. But he is vulnerable even at the beginning when he's blind and Rand just seems like he has a little bit of a cold and he's a little bit tired. He's so vulnerable. And he asks me several times, like, you're not going to leave me. You're not going to leave me behind, right? And he's, like, clutching onto Rand's hand and he's just...
1: So my theory is that basically the dagger is carrying the, like, taint of Shadow Logoth, right? Yeah. Which is basically human greed and selfishness. So when Matt has to be selfless that is basically putting up a a little bit of a defense against the dagger he's yeah. acting the direct opposite of how the dagger is trying to influence him to be and so by doing that he's able to reclaim a little bit more of himself
0: i think to add on to that though it's not just greed i feel like it's this element of strength that the dagger also gives him so maybe maybe, maybe like in the moment because he's blind he's innately vulnerable, that also counteracts the effects of the blade a little bit. Maybe. Because this blade is kind of making him feel invincible. Yeah. Because greedy people don't just want things. They tend to also feel... like The feeling of being invincible and greed kind of tend to go together.
1: Okay, I can see that.
0: And I think that's what this is with this blade. He just has like this element of confidence which might have been what drew him to the blade to begin with.
1: Maybe. I mean, I think what drew him to the blade to begin with is Matt's like, "Ooh, shiny."
0: But he also is like very—he's just very charismatic. He has a lot of confidence. He's a very yeah. confident person. There is—if we haven't had a chapter in Matt's head yet—but there is no way Matt would ever go. Perrin or Rand would know what to do with this
1: girl. Are Rand, you sure about that?
0: Matt would go. Matt knows what to do with this girl or boy. Because
1: <laughs> that—I think that's only the case when. Things are going well for Matt. If things start going badly, like if he's not just like trying to like pick someone up, if he's like in a relationship and things start to get complicated in the relationship, Matt's going to go, I think Perrin or Rand could handle this better than I ever will be able to.
0: I don't think he would say that. I think he would just be like, "Mm, this isn't for me. And then dip out. He's
1: maybe. uh, Not Rand. Matt strikes me as a very unattached person.
0: He seems like a love them and leave them kind of guy.
1: He does. I, I know things, but he seems like <laughs> <laughs> very much so.
0: Yeah, I just, this, my, my takeaway from this section is I have two takeaways. One is poor Matt just needs a hug. Matt um, needs a hug. Matt needs a hug. And... I have thoughts about Rand.
1: You do have thoughts about Rand, and we'll get to that. There's one more thing that with the dagger I want to talk about, though, which is that Matt didn't seem very surprised or anxious about Samuel Hake potentially trying to rob them. And I think that's kind of one of those things where you assume the worst and are relieved when you find out that it is the worst.
0: I thought, I did think that was weird. I thought it was strangely confident of him, which I think plays into my, the dagger gives you this innate confidence. Like, but that kind of goes against like, he's always protecting the dagger. I think part of it is that he knows that Samuel didn't see the dagger.
1: It could be, but he was also very suspicious of, he was just suspicious of everybody when they were traveling. And they That's never true.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be more of, like, confirmation.
1: Right, like, he knows that Samuel's going to try and rob them, so he's like, all right, I can deal with that. Instead of being tortured by the idea that these random passersby are going to try and rob him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can see that being the logic
1: you know maybe that gives him the breathing room he needs to kind of put up walls against the dagger and in the small capacity that he can because he's clearly still very troubled
0: and there's actually another one more thing about the dagger he uses it finally in this section he
1: almost uses it
0: and so you didn't touch on this in the summary but when rand is sick And, like, when he gets, like, super sick, not just that, like, it could be from the rain. Mm -hmm. It's, like, super ass sick that Rand gets, and he's totally laid up, and Matt has to end up really taking care of him. A woman comes into the barn that they're staying in and tries to offer her help and then ends up trying to stab Matt. I guess that help. It's like, by help, she meant, I'ma kill you.
1: I mean, if you're dead, you can't be sick.
0: But she didn't even try to stab Rand. She tried to stab Matt.
1: Which is probably the right choice.
0: But he... Because pull-
1: wh- what are you going to do? Stab the person who can fight back or stab the, like, deathly ill person in the hay?
0: Fair. But so he tries to stab Matt and he pulls out the dagger and she seems to recognize it.
1: I think it's... I, th- I read that as it's just, oh, man, he has a dagger. I thought he was... Un- I thought the one with the sword was sick, but this dude has a dagger. I he know, I he also it- had disarmed her.
0: I, all, I just read it as, like... It seemed like there was a flicker of recognition on her face when she saw the dagger. I don't think that but... was the
1: case. I, I mean, what would a random dark friend know about anything? Any object inside Shadow Logoth.
0: I don't know. I didn't assume she was just a random dark friend. But and yeah. she wasn't
1: named. She's she's an unnamed character in the in the Wheel of Time. <laughs> there aren't very many of those. Robert Jordan didn't have to name Sam He could have just been suspicious skinny innkeeper. Was he skinny? Yes. This is where. That is
0: suspicious for an innkeeper.
1: Rand, after this, has like a phobia against skinny innkeepers, and they get to the Queen's Blessing, and he's like, oh, thank God Basil Gill's fat.
0: (laughs) I was wondering why he went on this whole thing about how he's fat and that the cook is fat. I mean,. There is also the adage, like, never trust a skinny cook. Right.
1: But... I think that also extends to innkeepers in medieval times. I go to a medieval times, and my random server who's gonna bring me my soda is skinny. I'm gonna complain to management.
0: Why would we ever go to medieval times when we could just go to the Maryland Renaissance Fair?
1: That's true.
0: The the food is better. The jousting is not better, because they use the medieval times jousters now, and it's not even real jousting.
1: But at worst, it's the same.
0: No, it's not the same. There was real jousting no, the no, I mean, at worst, it's
1: the same as Medieval Times. That's the floor. And it, it is, It honestly, it's not that bad of a floor. I've been to Medieval Times like two or three times total. And the food was good. The food at Medieval Times is okay. It's not as good as the Renaissance Festival, but it is okay. Yeah. And the jousting is kind of fun.
0: It's, it's sporty. Real, it's not real jousting, it's though. It's definitely
1: not real jousting, and I do really miss that at the Renaissance Festival. Yeah,
0: that was great. This is not a Maryland Renaissance Festival podcast. No.
1: But... And I kind of don't remember where we were before now. We were talking about the the <laughs> fat woman innkeeper who yeah, the, woman. the fat innkeeper, yes.
0: Um which
1: we which was a tangent on the random woman who tried to stab Matt.
0: And he does he holds a dagger up to her throat and it's like about to kill her, and Rand's like, You're not a dark friend, and Matt's like, But she is And he's
1: like... That's fair!
0: Yeah, I kind of am like, Rand, why are you stopping her... Why are you stopping Matt from killing this woman? If a
1: Nazi tries to kill you, you are more than justified in killing the Nazi in self-defense. Yeah. And these people are like uber-Nazis. They want the Dark One to rule. Mm -hmm. Granted, they don't call him the Dark One. They call him the Great Lord of the Dark, as our friend Piter has enlightened us. But, um... Yeah,
0: Yeah, she is the most effective of the Dark Friends, I think, that we meet.
1: I feel like Howl Goad could have been much more effective if, until he got struck by lightning which I'm very conveniently giving you an ad- avenue to talk about the lightning strike. You
0: mean when he was struck by lightning or when Rand hit him with some lightning?
1: Did Rand hit him with lightning? I think so. Okay,
0: that's that's fair. So cuz here and here's my thought. Here's my thought process. They are both stressed out. Uh-huh. The three boys
1: that we are focusing
0: on this story yep. are Rand, Matt, and Perrin, yep. because Nine, or because Moraine thinks that one of them is the Dragon Reborn,
1: Volcano Man Reborn,
0: Volcano Man Reborn. So we can assume that if they are possibly the Dragon Reborn, they can one of them or all of them can channel. Okay, we've seen some glimpses into Perrin, and he's got some weird stuff going on with wolves,
1: but that's not necessarily attached to channeling,
0: right? And then we have the situation where the other two boys are together in a room panicking about getting out. And then lightning hits very conveniently at the room that they're in and the person that they're trying to run away from that gives them a way out
1: yep. at
0: a very convenient time. Yes. And lightning doesn't act that way.
1: It does not.
0: So it was one of the two.
1: It was one. It was
0: of the one two. of the two made the lightning happen. Okay. And the aftermath, we see that Matt is blind and Rand is a little bit sick. So, and what we know about channeling...
1: We were very conveniently given an explanation from Moraine a couple chapters back.
0: Right, is that you usually get really sick. And so maybe Matt being blind could be part of it. Maybe Rand being a little bit sick could be part of it. But he's only a little bit sick and Matt really only has the blindness. He doesn't have... He's not... He doesn't... They both don't seem to have a fever at that point. My and Moraine both go into this whole thing about going down with a fever for a few hours, and then popping back up and being completely fine. And who does that happen to?
1: It does happen to Rand. Rand. I would like to give you a word of the day, a Wheel of Time word of the day, that you will find out about, I believe, in the next bit, maybe in episode nine.
0: So I guess spoiler?
1: Mm, It's a word. Tavirin. You'll find out about it. There's a very convenient character who explains what Tavirin are. I'm not gonna do it now because Raiden to find out. And uh, the lightning strike could be very easily explained by the Taviren phenomenon.
0: Is Taviren like Speed Force?
1: Sorta, but a lot less so.
0: For those of you who don't know about Speed Force, it is the power that runs the Flash universe and it just runs the flash it just runs the flash it whatever
1: it's, it's it could DC run comics universe
0: it could run the flash universe too, it could because it's, because speed speed it's the speed
1: force but it doesn't because it's the speed force uh,
0: a few years ago baltimore comic-con we were in a panel with the guy who invented the speed force and he basically said that he created the term speed force to explain a plot that he couldn't think of an actual reason to and his script was due so he what? just calls it speed the Speed force. force, and now it is used for all kinds of explanations for things. So when things are unexplained and you have a really bad explanation, I call it the Speed Force explanation.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of that with the Tavirin phenomenon, as I'm naming it. It's not, it's just called the Tavirin. it's just, They're just called Tavirin. Um, but you you'll find out more about it. And when we get to it in your reading, I will talk about it.
0: Can I get you to stop doing things like that? Because it always makes me want to look it up. Like you did this with me. <laughs> you did this to me with Tom. Apparently, there's some sort of ship with Tom that we find out that happened apparently in this book that we find out about like seventeen books from now. And I want to Google it to find out who it's with well,
1: and you i find out Yeah, cuz I'm, I'm just th- trying to give you a little bit of the experience of reading the wheel of time as it was released which is there are these questions and at some point no. robert jordan or brandon sanderson was like yeah it's obvious and then it's like no but if i
0: was reading these without talking about it in between i wouldn't have known about taviren before i got to it so stop it
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's his evil laugh it is but, yeah. so Rand can channel?
1: Maybe. not confirmed. You think Rand can channel
0: Rand can channel. i I say it with the confidence that I said that Tam was not Rand's birth dad. And guess what? I was right. So, Rand okay. can channel,
1: ok. It's a fourteen book series. You're going to be wrong at least once, And this may or may not be it because I'm really good at talking in vague terms,
0: given. Rand can channel.
1: Huh.
0: Tom's not That's dead either. And Tom's not dead. Tom's not dead.
1: And why? Do you, 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 just no body, no crime.
0: No body, no crime. Right. Also, the innkeeper doesn't think that he's dead. So when no. they get to the Queen's Blessing, the innkeeper, they tell the this innkeeper who was a friend of Tom that Tom's dead because he's like, why do you have Tom's? Why do you have Tom's flute? And so the Rand tells him the story, and he goes, eh, Tom's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Basil Gill is
1: doing the medieval equivalent of nobody, no crime.
0: Yeah, he's like, eh, Tom's not dead.
1: Because he literally says, I'll believe it when I see his corpse.
0: <laughs> nobody, no crime.
1: But Basil Gill seems like a good dude, and Tom apparently has quite the history.
0: Is the ship with the queen? Because it's basically implied that he was sleeping with the queen.
1: Yeah, It is basically implied he was sleeping with the queen, because he was court barred. And driven out of town. So what, what happened with Tom is he left. He he left because of the trouble with his nephew in the Aesonai, where it was very heavily implied that he could, he being Tom's yeah. nephew, could channel. Yeah. So Tom left in a hurry without telling anyone. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and Morgay's like, why the fuck did you leave? Guard captain, please kill him. And Tom is like, okay, bye. I'm going to go be a Glee man now. And this is why Tom is so much better than all the other glee men.
0: Yeah, because he was he was the court jester.
1: Yeah, he was. Well, he was the court bard, which is very different than jester. They
0: feel like they have the same. I feel like they're probably on the same socio-class scale, though, because they get...
1: Maybe, but, like, a court bard, especially in the world of the Wheel of Time, is supposed to be able to, like, recite like, highbrow stories and have a knowledge... That, too, to... but... It's much, much more like a and d bard than, like, a jester.
0: Yes, but what I'm saying about, like, the class level is that, like, in, in medieval times, the jester was one of the only people who could criticize the king. Um... So they have. It's a very advantageous position, and so I feel like Bard and Jester, while they serve two different purposes, Except have the same. He's sleeping with the queen, so clearly he has some right. sort of elevated there, status. There's no
1: way a jester would be able to sleep with a monarch.
0: I don't sure think it so. Happens.
1: I mean, it probably happened because people are horny as shit, but
0: the the queen probably slept with a jester
1: quite frequently. Yeah, maybe, but or at
0: least a princess or like. Probably a a prince, prince, because I don't want
1: to... That's true. Some sort of non-reigning royal probably did, but I'd be very surprised if... Because, like, it was, like, an open secret for Tom and Morgase. Yeah. Basil Gill knew about it. The court knew about it. And I, I just don't see that happening with a jester.
0: I just... They I feel like they have the same advantageous position and so it doesn't surprise me that he would have had a relationship with the queen. Also because the queen even if he has even if Tom had some sort of power inside being the court bard the queen still holds some sort of power over him sort of because she's yeah. the monarch. So like the queen can sleep with whoever she wants.
1: Fun fact about Andor, which is the country that Camlin is the capital of. It only has queens. I like it. There are there are no male monarchs allowed here.
0: Well, in a world where Vagina Island exists. Yeah. And I can kind of see the logic of that extending. Like, if men who can, if men who are able to channel magic end up turning into volcanoes.
1: You maybe don't want to risk that in a monarch. Because yeah. Because there's a period before they turn into a volcano where they're human and are crazy.
0: A volcano man was a ruler of something because he lived in a big old castle and then killed a whole bunch of people.
1: He did kill a bunch of people. He killed his family.
0: And a whole bunch of other people.
1: And a bunch of servants, yes. But mostly his family.
0: And all of the servants that lived in his big ass house. That's true. There were pro- He probably killed more servants than he did family members.
1: I don't know. He It, it was implied he had a very big family.
0: Also, if you had a big family, each one of those people probably had at least three or four attendants. Mm, that's true. That's how rich families work.
1: That's true. He did...
0: There's probably at least three or four servants per person in the household. Yeah. So, by numbers, he killed more servants than he did his
1: own family. Okay. Okay, I can get behind that logic. But yes, I I think you probably don't want to risk kings so much as you do. And especially because something we learned here is that Camelon has a history of sending their queens, or their, the term is daughter heir, to the Vagina Island, to learn from the Aes Sedai.
0: Yes, and that is the Aes Sedai that Matt and Rand learn about when they're on the way to Camelon. Fuck it, Lida. (laughs) Is uh... (laughs) a... All right,
1: man, I got opinions about Elida, and most of them are that she's the worst,
0: okay. But yeah, so they're like when they're heading to Camelin with the guy that is basically contracted to turn them in, smart move on Rand's part. so there's the whole thing where the um the guy is talking to one of the innkeepers about how, yeah, the fade the, the fade is talk. is it a fade? Yeah. Okay.
1: It's not Howl Goad, because Howl dead.
0: Well, no, it seems like Howl is the one looking. Yeah,
1: but Howl got hit by lightning.
0: Anyway, so the someone is looking for Matt and Rand. Yeah. Because Rand apparently stole his heron blade. Yeah. And so this person tells the innkeeper and a traveler about it and so the innkeeper tells the tr- like they basically tell this traveler and the innkeeper that like we will give you money if you are able to turn these boys into us right and then rand in a fit of brilliance sarcasm walks up to said traveler and was like hey can we travel with you
1: i thought it was basically implied that the traveler knew he was there
0: later that's after yeah. that's after rand's fit of because i take notes as i go Okay. And I was like, really?
1: Really, Rand? But that you're conversation is gonna, you're, gonna had... conver-
0: you're gonna hear that conversation and then walk up to the man that was basically contracted to kidnap you.
1: But that conversation also had the man, Almond Bunt, be like, you're crazy Still? to the innkeeper. Because he, he clearly didn't trust the innkeeper.
0: He didn't And it's he still didn't not trust a, smart, a stranger. It's not a smart move on Rand's part, and Matt points that out and he's like, Are you really sure? And then Rand's just like, YOLO, I'm gonna walk right up to him and be like, Can I get in your carriage, please? To be
1: fair on both points. One, when has it ever been said that Rand is smart? And two, when has it, if recently Matt has been very distrustful of everybody, so it'd be weird for him to not be distrustful of this random person.
0: I also understand why he's so distrustful of anyone, dagger aside, because I'm people to get him. People are out to get him. Anyway, so they travel with this guy and they're on the way to Camelin, and this guy. Almond Munt. Bunt. The Bunt guy is telling, is talking and talking and talking and talking and talking the entire way to Camelin. And Rand
1: falls asleep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he just got over this really big channeling sickness. So he's like talking and talking and talking and talk, 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 and tells them about. An Aes Sedai that is in Camelin. And so Rand and Matt's Queen's advisor. And so Rand and Matt's plan is to at least go find that Aes Sedai and be like, we know Moraine and Lan, please help us.
1: Yep. It should be noted, Almond Bunt does not like that the Queen has an Aes Sedai advisor.
0: No, he does not. And he...
1: He also thinks that Elaine, the daughter heir, should go to, I want to say Alien to train there instead of to Tarballan. Mm-hmm. He's just like, Monarchy should entirely change their traditions and send the daughter heir somewhere else to learn and send the first prince of the sword, uh, Gawain, also somewhere to just like learn from random town guards. And I, I, I'm sorry, but even if you think that Aes Sedai are awful, in what world do you put random town guards and warders on the same level.
0: Well, because isn't it that the the first prince and the first daughter the daughter, the daughter heir the daughter heir go like the daughter heir goes to train to be an Aes Sedai because apparently they can all channel?
1: No, they just go to they just all go to Tarvalid to learn from the Aes Sedai.
0: And then the men go and learn to be a warder. Yeah. In theory, so that if the, I guess their sister can channel, they'd be their sister's warder? I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yikes. So. But that's actually kind of probably about accurate. You don't know enough about the warder bond to know why it's a yikes.
0: I'm gonna go ahead and say that it's for the same reason that I ship Moraine and Lan. So. Yikes. Yeah.
1: But I mean, you can also see like how it's but Maybe. that's not
0: confirmed, so I don't actually know. That's
1: true, and you can also see how it—it it could just be like a symbolic thing, right? Like, like yeah. the first prince of the sword is just like a symbolic warder to somebody who is a symbolic Isodai, because yeah. we know that Morgase can't ch- like no at no point has anybody said Morgase can channel. Right. She just went to Tarvalen to learn.
0: Yeah.
1: After a succession crisis, there's a whole bunch of hit like Caimlin history in this section.
0: Which I glossed over like Rand was sleeping.
1: It's it's kind of important.
0: We'll <laughs> it, it, figure it out
1: later. The important bits do get brought back up, but essentially there was some sort of succession war that led, that led to Morghese being on the throne. Terengil Damadred married Morghese, and he was, was also married to the previous queen. Yikes. A little bit of a yikes.
0: Seeing as the previous queen was probably Morghese's mother? No. No? Okay. No.
1: They're kind of related, but in the same way that, like...
0: Queen Elizabeth and Mary, Queen of Scots, were related? N-
1: sort of. I forget which one Mary, Queen of Scots was. She wasn't Henry's child, was she? Was she was like a
0: cousin Yeah. Something. Like
1: some like some cousin distant enough to be considered royal, but not very Oh, Because
0: she, she was the Queen of Scotland. Yeah. And also somehow England, because all of that... Con- I, it's been a while, and most of my... Knowledge about the relationship between Mary, Queen of Scots, and Queen Elizabeth II, or Queen Elizabeth I, is through the TV show Reign, which was not accurate whatsoever.
1: Yikes. <laughs> it was Oop.
0: a great show, though. Costuming was absolutely not to period, but also C- It
1: was a CW show. Of course it wasn't. Anyway, Morghese is like a distant relative of that former queen whose name is Tigraine, and Tarangale married both of them. And so Tarangale is Elaine and Gawain's father, but he's dead now. He died before Tom so, was Tarangale, in relationship.
0: So Is that who it is? Yes, Tarangale Damager. Tarangale is basically the Marjorie of Wheel of Time, I, marrying a bunch of kings. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's from a country called Kyrian, which we'll probably touch on later, I think. Maybe. Kind of. Sort of. It definitely isn't a major feature of some of the books. Not at all. I hate you. Something you should note that uh, uh, it's not surprising you didn't pick up on because he's kind of a throwaway character. We have Terengale Damodred and also Moraine Damodred. I
0: didn't even see that.
1: Uh, it's very, very easy to miss.
0: Yeah, it was just like... I think that was like the last couple pages of... Like it was like right in the middle of I my reading. I bun Almond
1: Bunt says stuff about it.
0: Again, I was tuning him out just like when I was... <laughs> And also like this is just a, it's such a long book series it's so and like long. this is I've probably said it before I'm going to say it several times throughout this entire podcast it will probably take about 7 years for me to read these books. This is not my genre. No. This is not the genre I typically read. And so while I'm enjoying it, I just can't tune in to all of those little details.
1: I don't think you're supposed to.
0: It, like, I just, I'm really in it. I, I, I usually pick up a book, and I pick up, like, a 300-page book, and that's, like, a good-sized book to me. That's, like, a good read. And that takes me, like, maybe two or three days to get through. Not
1: six or seven
0: hundred. Not six or seven hundred.
1: Or in the case of the Stormlight Archive, twelve hundred.
0: Jesus. I just, like, I, I'm in it for the fluff. And the romance, which is why we talk about ships so much on this podcast, cause I'm gonna read into the subtext. Yeah. Gunster I'm gonna guns guns do it.
1: I think we we talked about this last episode with how confusing parents section was. I think another strength of Jordan's writing here is that Almond bun is supposed to be boring. Yeah, And so you read it and you gloss over it and like stuff comes up later and you're like, oh, I should have picked up on that when it was told to me the first time. And that just kind of like enhances the whole thing because you get told stuff in such a boring way sometimes. Because, uh, yeah. like, Rand's just writing in a cart. Rand's focus is, I'm trying to stay awake because this nice man is giving us a ride, and Rand glosses over it, and so you're also supposed to gloss over it.
0: Right, and I think that is very effective in Robert Jordan's writing. I think I just also, like, if I didn't have you as a guide with this, I would probably be really confused most of the time because I just don't pick up on these things. What I'm picking up on when I read a book, I read a book for the characters, not the plot. Yeah. Everything that I read. Like, for me, a five-star book is something that was so driven by character that the plot didn't even matter. And this is a very plot-heavy book. Yeah. And so it's just, it gets a little bit lost, which I think it's a good thing that we're doing this podcast in this format and that we stop and talk about it because it's helping me remember bits of plot. Whereas if I was just reading this straight through, I would have already forgotten what happened in the beginning because we didn't, I didn't sit and talk about it out loud now that i've talked about it out loud it's more likely to like stay in my memory right or i can do the cringeworthy cringeworthy thing of going back and listening to my own podcast to figure out what the heck was happening
1: i don't know why that's that cringeworthy
0: i don't like listening to myself talk
1: i don't either and yet i edit our episodes I spend. That is why several, I have you edit them? I spend several hours editing these, and I have to listen to my own voice for so much of it that I've kind of gotten over it.
0: I just—that's one of the reasons I have you edit the podcast, and two because I am running a, another book blog and writing a novel and have a job. So. Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, I also have a job. <laughs> <laughs> I have a more demanding job than you do sometimes.
0: Sometimes. Not all the time. Not all the time.
1: My job isn't super stressful right now. But that's besides the point. We're in Camelin.
0: You guys just got to learn a little bit more about us. Um, yeah, we're in Camelin.
1: Well, actually, let's talk let's go back a little bit and talk about that woman with the dagger. Because we didn't fully explain the dagger or any oh, yeah. of the weird dreams. It's
0: a really it's like that tumbler knife.
1: That tumbler knife?
0: The one that gets hot so that when you slice bread it makes toast.
1: That is basically word for word a description of a knife in Hitchhiker's Guide.
0: And so, and if someone's like, oh, imagine someone stab, imagine stabbing that with someone. It's like, well, it is. Stabbing ha- that with someone? Or stabbing someone with that knife. Yeah. Like, imagine someone, imagine stabbing someone with the hot knife. Then, you know, it's like, why would you stab someone if you could have toast? Clearly, Rice. this woman falls into the, imagine what would happen if you could stab someone with that because yes. she tries to stab Matt with a really hot knife and it goes into some wood it goes into like a banister in the barn and it starts to sizzle and the barn almost sets it, it almost yeah. catches on fire or does because if we listen to the rumors that happen later i'm pretty sure someone talked about a previous town's barn f- catching on fire and burning down i and did I was not like, catch that and i was like i think that's i think that's the hot tumbler knife
1: but they also just like chucked it in a bucket of water and if it's if it's it's still creating heat you just kind of need to like suspend it because it's just always going to be creating heat
0: i'm what i'm thinking if that if that was the barn that caught on fire what happened was is that all of the water evaporated because of the heat and then the bucket caught on fire right and then the barn caught on fire because it it's a it's a hot knife that can make toast but she decided to stab people with it because she's clearly
1: She's a dark friend. <laughs> She's trying to kill people.
0: In terms of the Tumblr meme, she would be a Gryffindor, because imagine stabbing someone with that knife. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's the meme. So there's, like, someone's, like, the Hufflepuff is like, look, it's a bread that when you cut it, it makes toast. And the Gryffindor is like, imagine stabbing that, or stabbing someone with that knife. And then the Slither, or the Ravenclaw is like, it would instantly cauterize the wound, so it would be ineffective. And a Slytherin goes, not if you want information. And a Hufflepuff goes... <laughs> Why would you be stabbing people if you could have toast?
1: Very fair. I (laughs) would rather have toast than stab someone. I would also rather have toast than stab wound, (laughs) but that's not one of the options. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So, henceforth known as the Tumblr Knife.
1: Okay. I I am fairly sure it doesn't come back up, but good to know that we have a tumbler <laughs> knife in the Wheel of Time.
0: So yeah, it was a really hot dagger, and it, I think it caught a barn on fire. At least according to the rumors, which I think is another interesting part about that section of them traveling, is they hear several rumors about the ineffective dark friend that they ran into. Which we haven't, Piter. T- we haven't, t- we haven't we talked about, talk Piter about Piter.
1: I just I just want to go over the events of what happened to Piter. Which is that they go into this unnamed inn in an unnamed town. Both of which are w- weird for Robert Jordan. Mm-hmm. No, wait, sorry. The town isn't unnamed. I don't remember what the name of the town is, though. Rand but it's an unnamed inn. And they sit down. And then somebody else sits down with them and is like, Hi.
0: Can I sit here? Can I, yeah,
1: can I sit here? And Matt's just like, you're a dark friend, aren't you? And he's like, what? No, I definitely am not. And Matt's just like, yeah, you're a dark friend. Nobody but dark friends wants to talk to us. And he's like, yeah, I'm a dark friend. You should come with me. And then Matt punches him.
0: <laughs> no! No! Rand punches him. Okay, Rand Because they're trying to get him. away, and they're just like, we're just going to leave now. And he's like, no, wait. And he grabs Rand by the shoulder, and then Rand just like. Rand just
1: punches. ducks him in the middle of this inn.
0: He's punching Nazis, and I'm here for it. And
1: Piter, the most ineffective dark friend ever, goes, you, you wouldn't punch me. Or basic. I don't even remember what exactly he says, but he's like, You should join the great lord of the dark. He yells it to an inn full of people.
0: Which then henceforth sparks all of the rumors. It's like
1: it's like punching a Nazi, and then uh, who's trying to be stealthy about being a Nazi, and then the Nazi is just like Heil Hitler, <laughs> like what the fuck, man.
0: So yeah, they're traveling around, and they just hear all these crazy rumors about a dark friend. And they hear one about like there's thirty dark friends. They hear another rumor that just like there was uh 30 dark friends in a barn caught on fire as they continue to travel through these towns so i think just like
1: you do get a little bit of the rumor telephone game going on here
0: yeah There's a whole lot of rumor telephone going.
1: The last thing I think we should touch on, and this isn't even very much of a thing at this point, is creepy Balsamon dreams.
0: Yes, Rand Rand has a
1: couple. Rand has has a a couple. couple.
0: Rand also has, he has lots of dreams, one, about Balsamon, but I think only two of them are actually Balsamon dreams. The other ones are fever dreams. Yeah. Um, he has a bunch of fever dreams when he's sick about um, Balsamon, Egwene, Moraine, Tom, Lan, and they all like come to him in a vision, which yeah. was interesting.
1: And we um, we but then, are fairly sure that these things aren't actual Balsamon dreams because Matt shares the two real ones.
0: Right. So the first one, I think, is the only one that I remember going into detail is the one where he has a dream about him being back in the Four Kings. And Balsamon basically says, the eye of the world will never serve you. And I still don't know what the eye of the world is. And I really wish I had another flag color or had started flagging the eye of the world mentions in a specific color so that I could count them yeah but there have i been several. there have been several and i read too slow to go back through and find them so
1: we're only three episodes from finding out
0: about what the eye of the world is yeah it's at the very end of the book
1: it's at the end of the book cool so read and find out part two of this episode part we, like six total so far
0: i feel like it's been more than that but
1: is it i have no idea i don't actually keep count, no, I should keep
0: count. we should keep count
1: that number would get very high very quickly it's a 14 book series I think but yes.
0: also like I feel like we should only count the ones that are actually on the podcast because sometimes you tell that to me off podcast which is why I might be thinking yes. that the number is higher because that that's be probably
1: like... why you're thinking the number is higher <laughs> yeah it's a creepy dream and it ends by a, it ends with Balsamon chucking fire at Rand's face because that's his that's Balsamon's favorite thing to do is throw fire at people's face. And interestingly, and I, I, ca- I caught this because I had never caught this before, uh, Matt and Rand have slightly different dreams.
0: Yeah, they have had sev- slightly different dreams several times.
1: But not, we've never had it confirmed that the two of them are having different dreams. Rand gets a face full of fire and Matt has its eyes cut.
0: mm which is probably to do with the fact that he's been blinded. Yeah, it could
1: be. Like I'm mean, clearly parents having entirely different dreams because there's a whole wolf aspect of parents' dreams now. I think
0: it's probably Balsamon just just channeling into their other fears and whatnot. He's probably he's probably channeling into the other things that are specifically going on with these boys and I mean at that point Rand had channeled lightning, so fire. So you claim. So I claim. I talk with a lot of conviction. I don't know that I haven't read far enough, so I don't actually know. This but is book one
1: of 14. This is book
0: one of 14. I could be entirely wrong, but I just always speak with confidence when it comes to my convictions about plot.
1: Yes. Yes, you do. Um,
0: it is what it is. And then Perrin's got all the weird wolf stuff going on, so that's why wolves are pulling into his dream. And then Matt was blinded, so he's got stuff with his eyes going on. Yeah. Also, Balzamon has stuff going on with his eyes, so that could just be oh, like up.
1: big old fire eyes. Big
0: old fire eyes. And so I feel like, you know, throwing fire at Rand's face could be being like, hey, have fire eyes like me. Have fire eyes like me. Because his
1: whole thing is, join me. Join me. You're going to join me. Whether or not. if you do it when you're alive, it'll be better for you, but you'll do it when you're dead either way because I am lord of the grave. Yeah. Which, I mean, that is kind of a badass title, but... It's not the the way you convince a teenager to join you.
0: I mean, it depends on the teenager.
1: Most teenagers. If you go up to a random teenager and you're like, hey, I'm I'm Lord of Death, do you want to join me? Okay, maybe if you ask a lot of teenagers our age or teenagers now, they'll be like, yeah, I'm okay with dying. Millennial
0: death humor. But if you
1: ask them when they came out, when this came out, they'd be like, no, I don't want to die.
0: But a couple decades earlier they also would have said the same thing. Like, yeah, they also yeah.
1: would have not wanted to die because the, the millennial lust for death is relatively new.
0: I feel like that, there's a whole lot of fatalist humor in the earlier generations yeah, as well. Yeah, but they didn't
1: actually want to die.
0: Well, I mean, they didn't have endless student loan debt.
1: Yeah, that's true. So much debt. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's take a hard left turn and go for our recurring segments. Yes. Number one of which is Min's aura readings.
0: The weird prophetic aura dreams.
1: Yes. They're not dreams. They're just auras.
0: Whatever. It's just the title that I'm calling it today. Yeah. So the other piece of information that makes me think that Rand was the one that channeled the lightning and not Matt is because Min saw him surrounded by what? Lightning. lightning. (laughs) She saw it hitting him, around him, coming out of him...
1: That's more than one lightning bolt, though. She saw a lightning storm.
0: There was a lightning storm.
1: I guess. That's fair. That's really the only update we have, because it was pretty much just... I mean, it was literally just Rand and Matt.
0: And then dealing still with the, the, dagger. the four kings. And still the dagger.
1: The dagger is ever-present. It's ever true. Present. Second recurring segment, ships. Any ship updates? No. Okay. If, they don't Unless, really unless with
0: Matt with... A blanket and a hug from his mom is a ship.
1: <laughs> that can be a ship. That <laughs> just needs a hug. <laughs> Matt just needs a hug. Matt plus Matt, a hug. Matt
0: needs friendship.
1: Yes. Matt I think
0: I really friendship. did like the ship update of this episode. Is just I really mm-hmm. like the friendship between Rand and Matt in this section because the just... ship update
1: is Matt and a friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, favorite yeah. moments.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. have two. We share one of them. Yeah which is Matt taking care of Rand when he's sick. Because he he has a bunch of, like, he's v- v- rather reassuring to Rand. Mm-hmm. And that's very nice, and I like that whole friendship, and I wish we got more of it just uh, across the whole 14-book series. The other one is at the very beginning, when they're hitching a ride with the guy who takes him to the Four Kings, this guy goes on for, like, two pages about how... Times are tough and he can't help them aside from giving them a ride somewhere. And then he's like, My sons have scars. You can take these two scarves. And they wear the scarves until they get to Caneland.
0: This is the second guy who's given them scarves, too.
1: Who else gave them scarves?
0: In the first section, in the last section, some random man gave them scarves that they wore to cover their face in the dust.
1: Oh, I did not pick up on that.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if they. I, I, my brain goes, Did he um, talk about that guy earlier and forget to cut it out in editing? And so we talked about him twice. Because <laughs> uh, that's some shit I would do. It's like, oh, you know, I used this element earlier, but I think it would actually be better here. And then you forget to cut it out of the first part.
1: Maybe. Or I
0: just two guys gave him scarves. But yeah, it, yeah they, just... they just talked about this is the second guy to give him scarves. Yeah.
1: But I, I just like it because he really does. He goes on for actually two or three full pages about how he can't help them. And times are rough, and he needs to be able to feed his family, better, or else and he'd give so them he food.
0: Well, yeah, like, they, you can't come back with me, because people are clearly after you. That is another move right. in this segment, or this section of the book, is that, like, everyone knows that someone's after these boys at this right. point. And, Yet they're still helping them anyway. Right.
1: And he gives them scarves, and it's just nice. And it's like, okay, there, there are nice people in the world, and then we get to the dark friend fest. So those are my favorite moments. What are your favorite moments?
0: I think it's so weird to say that it's my favorite moment because it's not really a lighthearted moment, but just the whole Matt arc. I think it's a really interesting delve into his character about just how vulnerable he is and the constant worry that Rand is going to leave him and him being homesick. And then that panic attack that he has when he may get into Camelin when he's like clamping, he's like shouting, and he hand, he's on sensory overload and is causing a panic attack. That's how I see it. And so I just think it's a really interesting mode for Matt because it's not what he's been the whole time. It has not been.
1: Yeah, this was Not the Beginning, Episode 7, Chapters 32 through 35. Next episode, two weeks from now, Chapters 36 through 40. I wish I could tell you that we get a lot more information about Rand and Matt and Catelyn, but I've looked ahead and I know that we do not. It It shifts focus a little bit here.
0: That's okay with me.
1: Things are starting to come together, though.
0: Yeah. So that's not the beginning. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.